Church, how are you this morning? Good. Ed Sheeran. Oh, mate. I was just saying on the front row there, a little bit, a little bit frustrated. Apparently, he broke the record of Billy Graham's crusade at the MCG. So uh, we better do it again. Anyway, I'll partner with you on that if you'll partner with me. Two or more agree on something that shall be done. Amen. Come on. Hey, um, listen, I am so excited to be here with you. And I think the bio gives me a lot to live up to. I feel a little bit of pressure. <laughs> I read that out every time. But can I be really, really honest with you? I'm just a young kid who fell in love with Jesus. I'm just a young kid who fell in love with Jesus at the age of five and then couldn't shut up about him. I'm going to share with you a little bit of my story. At the age of five, I um, had a dream in my... I was sleeping and I was dreaming. And in my dream... I woke up from my dream and I heard the sound of a trumpet. I was like, what is that? And there was an urgency that filled my heart as a five-year-old in this dream. And I ran towards the back door trying to get out of the house, knowing there was an urgency to get out. And the back door was sort of jammed up a little bit and it wouldn't open. And then eventually it opened and I got out there. And as I got out there, Jesus was standing there with my family in the clouds with an array of angels behind him, he looked at me and he said, you're too late. And I was like, what do you mean I'm too late? What do you, what do you mean? Like, and he looked at me and he said, you're too late. And what really broke my heart in that moment is that I didn't know what I was too late for, but I knew I was missing something significant and something important. But as he looked at me, he looked through me and I could see a multitude of people being told the same thing. As far as I could see, heads of people being told the same thing. I woke up from this dream in an absolute fright. I ran into my parents' bedroom. I told my mum what the dream was. She sat with me and explained to me that I needed to give my life to Christ, that I needed to know Jesus. And that's what I was too late for. I didn't know him. And you know, for one, not for one minute did I feel condemned, judged in any way, form or shape. When Jesus looked at me and said he was too late, he was broken. He was disappointed that I didn't know him. And from that moment on, I was the little five-year-old kid with a revelation of Jesus. I didn't know that he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. I knew nothing. I knew that he was real. I knew that he loved me. And I know that other people needed to know him. And so from that age on, I literally would share Jesus with anybody. Do you know Jesus? You need to know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? You need to know Jesus. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't, under, I couldn't give you any of the details. I just knew that Jesus was real and you needed to know him. And I knew that he was coming back. The story hasn't changed. Over my teenage years, I expressed last night, passionate on fire for Jesus, reading all the books of every healing evangelist, every evangelist possible, and, and all the books you can think of. Smith Wigglesworth, Maria Etta Woodworth, um, Catherine Kuhlman, I was even reading Benny Hinn. Like there was all the books that I could get my hands on because I was hungry for an encounter with God. I'd had encounter after encounter after encounter and it changed my life. But every time I had an encounter, I left more riveted about who Jesus was and wanting Him to share Him with others. I shared with you last night that I, I really wanted to, um, to share Jesus with everyone that I was in hospital with, with asthma as a kid and laying hands on everybody and believing God for miracles and God to heal their bodies. And you know, 
I never doubted for a moment that Jesus was who he says he was and he would do what he said he was going to do. And I believe more than ever, as a kid growing up, that craving in my heart to know him and to share him is for every believer. It's not for the special elite. It's not for someone who just had a dream. It's actually God's desire that everyone would encounter him in such a way that they wouldn't want to be quiet about him. So this morning I was uh, having breakfast and, and hearing about you as a church and hearing some of the amazing thing from, things from Charles and April just about what you're doing as a church and Hope Centre and, and everything that's happening. And so inspired and so encouraged because I believe the church should be the city on a hill. But can I be really honest with you? I think we've overcompensated on making evangelism the church's job. So today I want to talk to you about kingdom business. Because I believe that it's every believer's responsibility to be able to share the good news of the gospel. It's not, the, not hey, invite them to church, the church will get them saved and then the church will disciple them. No, you are the church. You make up the church. The church isn't a building, it isn't a space. You are the church. And I honestly believe that we are called to be ones who would go and find lost people. You know, I was really excited about this last night having croissants this morning. Much to my disappointment, I, um, I had I downed some breakfast and went back into the cafe and they're like, would you like a croissant? And I was like, I really do, but I can't, I can't eat it. See, sometimes the very thing I'm craving for, I miss because I fill myself with other stuff. We fill ourselves with other stuff. We fill ourselves with Netflix. We fill ourselves with the latest news segment on TV. We fill ourselves with all different things of manner of making ourselves busy that we miss craving the thing that we actually crave. <laughs> and we miss going after it because we're full on something else. Let's turn to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. You'll know this, actually, look, verse 9. <clears throat> You'll know this story because... It's very common in, in churches, but Zacchaeus is up a tree. He wants to see Jesus. Jesus sees him in the distance, comes to him, says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to hang out at your house. And literally, Zacchaeus and Jesus have this encounter. Zacchaeus, so captivated by who Jesus is, his love and everything he was carrying, said, literally, I will give back everything that I have taken from somebody and I will give four times the amount. <laughs> Which is actually, if you, I won't go into it now, but there's a whole theological reason behind that because it was scriptural. So he understood. He understood. He had a background of understanding. And in that encounter, it says, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. And for this reason, Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. Did you know that the word seek literally means to crave or to desire. To crave or desire. Now, everyone here this morning, you were told that you were going to get coffee when you came in here. Did you get coffee? Was it good coffee? Or who did the sneaky go to their favourite place before they came here? <laughs> As I tell you, get people who are passionate about coffee, craving coffee, they know what they want, they know what they don't like, and they know what they don't want. <laughs> And to crave something, you know that feeling when you're like, oh man, I need, I've got a craving. Have you ever had cravings to the point where you, like, you, you don't get it and then you do what you've got to do, go to work, whatever it is, and then you get the worst headaches? 
because you didn't get your craving? Oh man, I wish that would hit the church in this season. That's my desire. That every person would be brought to a place where they're like, oh God, I need to seek and save the lost. See, the thing is, His heart is in our heart. We have been given a responsibility to steward that which He has given to us, which is kingdom business. See, we often so end up finishing this verse where it says, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, to crave lost people, literally to desire them. And we finish the verse there and think, well, that's the end of the chapter, but it's not. It's not the end of the chapter because it rolls on to verse 11 in through to 27. And and the story goes into the parable of the minners. Now, you'll be familiar with this story if you've been in church long enough, parable of the minners and parable of the talents. Let me help you understand. They're two different stories. The parable of the talents is about your ability and you're given according to your ability. The parable of the minners is everybody is given equal distribution of one minner. So we're going to read the story in verses 11 through to 27. And it says this, As he heard these things, he proceeded to tell the parable because he was, a near, he was near Jerusalem. Okay, so I want you to catch that. As they heard these things, they just heard Jesus say that he came to seek and save the lost. He proceeded to tell a parable. So as the result of this end statement, I have come to seek and save the lost. Now I'm about to give you the picture of what kingdom business looks like. So when we think kingdom agenda, we need to think kingdom business. Then he goes on and he says this, because he was near to Jerusalem, because they were supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. That was the desire of all the disciples, that the kingdom of God would appear. But God, Jesus goes and shows, no, no, this is what the plan looks like. And he said, therefore, a nobleman went to a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling 10 of his servants, he gave them 10 minutes and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and he sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given money to be called to him, that they might know what they had gained by doing business." The first man came before him saying, Lord, your minner has made me 10. And he said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second one came to him and said, Lord, your minner has made me five. And he said to him, you'll be over five cities. And then another came saying to him, Lord, here is your minner, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you because you're a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Then why did you not put my money into the bank at my coming that I may have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, take the minute from Kim, give it to the one who has 10. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minutes. Why are we giving it to him? Jesus says, I tell you, everyone who has more will be given more. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
But as for these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here to me and slaughter them before me. Quite a confronting passage of scripture for a Saturday morning. Do you mind if we just pray? (laughs) Jesus, I thank you for your word and I thank you your word is a lamp unto our feet. I thank you, Lord, that today you want to deposit truth into our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we open up our hearts to you right now and we ask that you would drop this from our heads into our hearts, into our spirits. Let it hit to the deepest core of who we are. Lord, let every word of man fall to the ground and let every word of God penetrate our hearts and produce seed that will produce a harvest. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Quite a confronting passage for a Saturday morning. In this passage, we see 10 servants who have come before the master. He's called them and said, come to me. Then he's given them equal distribution. You get one minna, you get one minna, you get one minna, you get one minna, you get one minna. How many of the servants came back? Three. So there's seven. There are seven that heard what they needed to hear, took what they had and left and did not return. And there were three that returned. Two returned with something, one returned with nothing, but that which he was given. And it's interesting as we see what happens in this passage of Scripture on how the Christian church can relate to this passage. And the question I have to us today is, what servant do we relate to? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and God? Yep, my life is better. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to put it in my pocket and I'm all about coming back when He comes back and I'm ready for that ticket to heaven and I'm ready to go. And I've got my, I've got my, my deposit. I'm good. <laughs> or are we like the other two that come back with a form of multiplication? See, there are many who aren't in this church today that may have been in this church at some way form or shape over time who have made a decision, gotten saved and then walked out and done nothing with it and never come back. And for some of us here today, we've got something to bring back. We've got a multiplication factor. And for others, there's a lot and for some, there's a little. But can I tell you that Jesus is actually interested in multiplication. The business of the Father's kingdom has been entrusted to us. The gospel of the good news has been given to each and every believer as an equal distribution. You've been given the gospel. You've been given the gospel. You've been given the gospel. What will you do with what he has given to you? Because he's painted a very clear picture. I've come to seek and save the lost. Now I'm about to show you what kingdom business looks like. I'm about to leave and I'm about to entrust to you the good news. And I'm going to come back at some stage. I'm going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave to you? See, in verses, in verses um, if you go to verse 13, it says, calling his ten servants, he's, he gave to them 10 minutes and he said to them, engage in business until I come. Engage in business until I come. We have been given equal distribution, a level playing field. And the question we have from God to us is what have we done with what he has given to us? What have we gained from what he's given to us? I was telling um, Charles and, and April earlier this morning, I used to be a, a youth pastor. When I first started out in ministry, uh, I was given three kids as a part of the families 
as a church plant. There was 40 people in the church. There was three kids. And the pastor came to me and said to me, hey, would you take on the youth ministry? Short version of the story is I said yes eventually after God slapped was like, yes, you will. I'm like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I stepped into this role as a youth pastor. And literally I stood before God going, God, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, I just want people to know Jesus. And literally he started to speak to me and give me ideas and strategies about how we could do it. We went from three to 20. And by the time we got to sort of 20 kids, I was like, okay, now we've got some momentum here. This is a whole lot more fun. Because hanging out with one or three, like you said earlier, <laughs> you know, is a challenge. What do you do with one kid every night <laughs> for youth? <laughs> you, you, there's got to be a multiplication factor, right? And so I, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to seek you out this. And, and so he gave me this idea. Out of this passage, he gave me this idea. And he said to me, he said, Sheree, I want you to give every young person in your youth ministry $10. And then I want you to ask them to go do something with it and bring back what they've done with it. And I thought, that's brilliant. So in my mind, I'm like, God, I need ideas. I need strategies. I need ways to to get income in so we can build a ministry that is going to, to, to bring in young people. So we need things like ping pong tables and pool tables and all the fun things that teenagers liked 20 years ago. Not now, they're all on TikTok. But, and that's free. Um, but, but we needed some resource. And so God said to me, he said, literally, you take $10 for every kid that's in your youth ministry. So anyone here want to do some quick maths with me? $10 times 20 kids, $200. Excellent, great. I'm not on a mass mood today. Um, And literally, we gave out $200. When you've got a youth ministry that's that small, $200 is a lot of money, especially back 20 years ago. Now, we gave out $10 for each kid. Now, I know that there were kids in that youth ministry that literally ran down the street, bought a packet of smokes, bought a packet of lollies, bought a packet of chocolate bar and a Coke and a whatever and spent it. But you know, out of the kids that came back, the ones that were like really keen and engaged, they'd come back and they'd be like, Sheree, Sheree, Sheree. I, I literally, I, I, I changed it. I, I brought this and I sold this and I got that and I brought back $50. Because we said to them, you've got three weeks. Work it for three weeks, bring it back and then we'll take up an offering. In that moment, all these kids are coming back and telling me all the different ideas they've got. And I'm like, that's amazing. This one kid comes up to me and he's like, Sheree, I've got the best idea ever. I'm like, all right, tell me. What do you? And he's like, oh, it's, it's going to be amazing. I'm like, all right. He's like, I'm going to take the $10 and I'm going to turn it into five cent pieces. Multiplication. I'm like, Okay. He's like, no, no, let me, see, let me tell you where this is going. I'm like, all right, I'm listening, I'm listening. At this point, I'm like, you've kind of got it, but you haven't got it, you know? Uh, and he's so like, no, no, and then I'm going to go out in the street and I'm going to go knock on all the doors in our area. I'm going to tell them that we've we started a youth ministry for our community and I'm going to give them the five-cent piece and I'm just going to ask them if they'll exchange it for something a little bit bigger. Maybe they'll give me 10 cents, maybe they'll give me 20, maybe they'll give me 50. <laughs> this kid had so much faith. So much so that he started to rally all the other kids together that had all worked out their money. Some had spent it and some hadn't and and some had produced and it was awesome. And he gathered them all together and he said, right, we're going to knock on the doors and this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the front door and he explains it to all the kids. They go out, they come back the next weekend on the final weekend of the collection. They bring back $1,300 from $10. 
He multiplied it from $10 to 1300 We bought billiard tables. We bought hook, um, hockey, no, what do you call it? Hockey and all the, the things you used to do. And literally, we saw a multiplication. Can I tell you, God is looking for multiplication. And He knows who you are and He knows what you will multiply and produce but you've all been given something to steward equally and what you do with it depends on you. It depends on you. See, God is not looking for a striving servant. He's looking for a faithful servant. So let's go down into verse 17 where he says, he says to him, to the guy who brought back 10, he said, well done, good and faithful, uh, sorry, good servant because you have been striving Struggling, constipated Christian over it. No, no, no. He, he says, faithful. Faithful in very little, you shall have authority over cities. Can I tell you the key to last night's message about authority? Ha, is unlocked when we steward what we have been given in our little. We all have a responsibility to share Jesus confidently with the people in our world, with what God has entrusted to us through the gospel message. It is our responsibility not to strive, not to, to go and, and get constipated over it, but to actually be faithful and work it. See, business, anyone here a businessman, it's a labour. When Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers and pray for the labourers, he's not talking about ones who will just dilly-daddy and be like, oh, look, He's talking about people going to labour and to work the field in which God has given to us is going to require us to be faithful and work it. Not strive to the point of like, but to actually work it. What are you doing to steward that which God has entrusted you with? Was the gospel something you received that you enjoyed and left? Or is the gospel something that you carry in every conversation? I've got a young guy on my team right now and he's one of our interns and he is he's an evangelist to the core. He walks down the street and he can't help but have a conversation with somebody about Jesus. Now there are some that are gifted and grace like that. I'm the relational evangelist. I'm the one that works on the neighbour, right? Got the next door neighbour, one side, got the next door neighbour on the other. We are talking about this last night as well. Got one neighbour I've been working, the two neighbours I'm working on for about three years in the one place. Literally, the lady next door, I was like, man, we're slowly getting there. We got her there. Eventually, 86, when she met the Lord for the first time. She died at 89, went to a funeral and there were six people there and our team were three of them. She met Jesus and was absolutely devastated that no one had told her about Jesus before she was 86. If someone had told me, then I wouldn't have. If someone hadn't have told me, my family would have. Game changer. My next door neighbour on the other side, Muslim family. I was trying to reach out to them and just sow seeds, encouragement, and love, and all of those things. And one night we had a meeting over at my place, and I had all our friends and family over, and church family over, and they came over. And one of the guys, Paul, he decides I'm going to go take the rubbish out. He goes to take the rubbish out, and I'm like, Where'd he go? Did he go home? He just, it, it was like he was gone. I was like, where'd he go? He was taking the rubbish out and he just went home. <laughs> he comes back in about an hour later and literally he's like, oh, I just won your neighbours to the Lord. And I was like, <laughs> you what? 
Now, he just walked out to put the rubbish in the bin. Never met them. And literally leads them to the Lord like that. Now, I'm not telling you that that's how you need to be. You've got to figure out what is your method of evangelism. You might be an intellect and love apologetics. You might be the person who, 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 who loves relational investment. I've got people I've invested for eight years and they still haven't made a decision. I might say they are actually more discipled than most Christians I know. Know all the fruits of the Spirit, know the gifts of the Spirit, know prophecy, how it works, knows every prophetic word I've ever, I've shared everything, know how to pray, like knows everything. So when they do get saved, oh man, they're going to be on, they're saved, y'all. Because it's not my job to convict man and convince them that they need to be saved. It's the Holy Spirit's role to convince. Our responsibility is to simply steward that which we have been given, and that was to simply preach or not, that scares most of you because you're like, oh, I'm not a preacher. No, it just means to share, proclaim, proclamize the good news of the gospel. Now you do this brilliantly as a church. Corporately, you, you come together and you do those things. But what about, when was the last time you led someone to the Lord? And I, I, these are confronting conversations I've had to have with myself. Sheree, when was the last person that you led personally to the Lord? Not in an altar call in a corporate moment, but on the street, in the relationship, in connection. Because we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to multiply that which he has given. We have a responsibility to, to preach that good news, to share that good news with people that we know. Now, you're all freaking out because <clears throat> I'm really sorry. You're all freaking out because the idea of sharing the gospel is quite intimidating. Is anyone here intimidated by sharing the good news with people? You're all a whole lot better than me. Man, when I share the gospel with people, I'm still nerve-wracked. I know it. I know it's true. I've experienced it and I've led people to the Lord. But I still have moments where I'm like, <laughs> So can I just say to you, you're in good company. You're in good company. But God actually wants to set us free from the spirit of fear and the fear of man like we talked about last night where the people feared man more than they feared the glory of God and actually share this good news with people. Now, the concept of this verse and this passage is really quite intimidating because it's a master and servants. It's really confronting because the idea is like a hierarchy. <laughs> Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4 in your Bibles, if you've got one. Can I say bring back the Bibles? Can I, can I say that? Is that cool? Bring back the Bible. Bring back the written Word of God in your hand. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my phone version of the Bible. It's fantastic. But there is nothing better than a full-blown physical Bible that you can read, that God can speak to you on, and you can fill it with all your notes and all the different things that God speaks to you about. And he, oh, mate, bring it back. Bring back a Bible and a notebook and a pen. I tell you, there's so much gold in the Word. It just it, Sometimes it can go in one ear and out the other. It goes into our mind, but actually God actually wants it to go in one ear and in our mind and in our heart and not out the other ear. Got to drop down. Anyway, let's go. Galatians chapter four, verse four through to seven. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent his spirit 
of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you're an heir through God. Let me say this to you. The word slave here is the same Greek word for the word servant in Luke chapter 19. And that word literally means you are no longer slaves, but you are sons. You are sons. Let me put it like this. I've got a nephew right now. He's, um, he's not really walking with the Lord. He's, he's doing his own thing. He's 17. And it's been kind of like doing his own thing for probably the last three years. And I can't, cannot tell you how many times I have spent on my knees crying out for his salvation. And it kills me. It kills me to think that he's just not walking with the Lord when he knows the Lord, he knows. And it's like, oh, it, you've got family here that are unsaved, you've got friends that are unsaved, you've got that feeling, you're like, oh. But when it's family, it's almost like it's more personal. Man, I tell you, I've fasted over that kid. I have prayed that God would bring him back. I've even brought him into places. I've had conversations with him and I'm, I'm seeing God chip away at little things and I'm seeing progressive change. I know God's in it, but I tell you what, I'm praying like a totally different person when it comes to my cousin, my nephew. Can I say this? Lost ones out in the world are not random people who are lost. They are lost brothers and sisters. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You didn't become that when you got saved. You are that. You are his children, children who are lost, children who are found. And when we understand, the way we pray for our own families, how we ought to be praying and engaging for the random that walks across the street that is not actually a random but is actually a lost son. We are sons and daughters. It's not a master and slave mentality. It is a son about the father's business. It's a son about the father's business. You know, I for so long have been challenged and provoked by this idea of like, okay, when was the last time I craved souls? Am I just so busy about my work week and all the things that I've got to do that I actually miss the person I cross the street with, that I get my coffee from? Am I so busy that the person in the gym that's leaning in for a conversation, I'm ready to jump out and go have a shower so I can get to work? Because I tell you, there's so many opportunities right now. I literally was at the gym the other day and started a conversation with a lady as we were walking out, where she actually started it with me and she was talking, somehow we landed on the concept of allergies and she said something and I said, well, she goes, do you have allergies? And I said, well, funny you should ask. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna be late. I'm gonna be late to that. I'm gonna be late to this. But this right now, this is important. And I stopped and engaged with her for a conversation. I was funny you ask. I told her the whole story. I'm, I'm, you know, anaphylactic. Now I'm not anaphylactic. Now I can eat nuts. And she's like, wow, really? I'm like, yeah. 
And then she's like, that's amazing. She's like, and what do you do for work? And so she's asking all these questions. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm a pastor at a church. Try not to use that word often because I think spaghetti. I'm like, no, no. Um, <clears throat> and it was just really fascinating to have this conversation with her. And she leaned in and she continued to ask question after question after question. Do you know the relationship now has gone to a whole nother level when I see her at the gym every week? Conversation every day is changing. There's always something that's been said, always something. The other day she told me someone died and that she was going to a funeral and I was like, uh-huh, the concept of death and life. That's a conversation. Let's have that. So there's opportunities like nothing else out there in the world. But we actually need to crave that which the Father craves. Not just as a church and go, well, I do my bit and I give my money to that to make that happen and that's my way of doing it. No, 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 no. Every believer has a responsibility to share the good news of the gospel. He said, go and make disciples. Not pay for disciples, not get the church to advance for disciples, but to make disciples. And that is a stewardship issue. It's a responsibility that we have. And I'm really aware that some of us will be on all various levels of degrees of the spectrum when it comes to craving for souls. Maybe we can have the keys back. That'd be awesome as we finish up. Um, we're all on varying degrees. And sometimes that's because we have a gift of evangelism. And sometimes that's because we just have a great revelation <laughs> of being a son and being about the Father's business. But I honestly believe that this is a tipping point for this church. When I say church, I don't mean the building, I mean you. Because <laughs> I, I honestly believe that there is harvest of souls that we have yet to have seen with our own eyes. That is actually ripe for the picking. And when Jesus said to the disciples, he didn't say pray for the harvest. He said pray for laborers. Do you know that verse is in Matthew chapter 9 and just precedes the verse we talked about last night in Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 where Jesus called them to himself and he gave them authority and he sent them out. They're actually praying for themselves. They were praying for themselves as laborers for the kingdom of God. I love praying for people to get saved, but I've been in too many church meetings where it's, Lord, send them in. Lord, give us souls, send them in. Right heart, wrong prayer. Jesus, send them out. Yes. <laughs> send us out. Now I know I'm in a missional church and I know that there are people in here who are just sold out for this. It was so awesome to hear some of the, the stories and some of the things that are happening here. But can I say, church, we are on the cutting edge in today's generation for a soul-winning harvest like we've never seen before. And all it requires is you to steward which that God has given to you and to actually engage. As you stand to your feet, I'm gonna finish with this. I used to live in the country and I used to pick fruit. And... Um, in picking fruit off the tree, there were different seasons of fruit picking. You would have coloured picking, you would have size picking, we go size picking, colour picking. 
and then like a strip picking. And literally what it was, was size picking was going up and picking up, picking off all the fruit that fitted between a certain ring so that they could make more space for the fruit that was on there to grow. And then you had colour picking, which was going towards the, the, the fruit that was colourful and ready for harvest. The difference between the two was one had to be yanked off with a special technique. I'll say yanked, very ochery. Um, had to be taken off the tree. The other, you just simply cup your hand underneath it and it would slip into your hand. You slip into your bag and it would make its way off. And my job as a laborer was done as I picked the fruit. You're gonna find there are many people in your life. There are gonna be many people in your life where you share the gospel with them and it's almost like strip picking. It doesn't go anywhere and the fruit falls into the bin, but there's space for the other fruit in your world to life, to develop and to grow. And there's gonna be season in your life where you walk up and you just touch the fruit and it falls in your hand. You're like, wow, that was so easy. <laughs> and then there's a season called strip picking where it's at the end of the season and all the fruit's got to come off the trees. And they send the labourers through and they strip pick all the trees right across. And as they strip pick all the trees, the fruit falls into the bins and the labourer's job is done. I don't know what season you're in as a believer, but you need to know that God is the God of all seasons. But the question is, not what season is it, but what are you doing? Because each of them actually requires to touch the fruit. We're all required to touch the fruit. And I believe, church, this is harvest season. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. And some of you are gonna step out of here and you're gonna walk out into the world in environments of friendships and places and spaces and cafes and everything like that. And you're gonna walk in and you go, how was it that easy? How was it that easy? Because I'm telling you, God is ready to move across this city. He is looking for a people that would be labourers. He is looking for ones who would steward that which He was given. You've all been given equal distribution of the good news of the Gospel. And all that is required is that you would co-labour with Him. So right now, why don't you close your eyes? And if you really say, Cherie, this message is provoking me, it's stirring me, it's challenging me, and maybe you're even like, I don't even know if I like this girl. <laughs> Would you just post yourself before the Father and ask Him firstly to change your way of thinking about this? Some of us need to repent, and we use repent, it almost sounds like a bad word, but it's, Repent is just simply changing your way of thinking about something. And I believe all of us in some way, form or shape need our minds renewed. We need to change the way we think about this. And it is the Holy Spirit that brings us the mind of Christ. So right now, why don't you post yourself? Maybe you're gonna open your hands, maybe you're gonna lift your hands right up, maybe you're gonna kneel, whatever it is as you stand before God and I'm gonna pray. And you know what the greatest thing is? When we pray prayers that are in alignment with God's Word and His will and His desire, you watch Him come fulfill that in your life. So Jesus, right now, I thank You for every single person across this room that has heard this message. 
Lord, you know them and you know where they're at on this journey and you know where they stand as one of the servants, one of the sons of the Most High God in the kingdom business. And God, our desire is that we would serve you, Father, as sons and daughters of your house, that we would labour in your business, in your kingdom business for the agenda of heaven to earth. And God, right now, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, would you come hover over every single word that has been deposited in the hearts. I pray, Lord, that over the seed that it would take place, it would germinate, it would grow, and that literally, Lord, they would walk in as labourers for the Kingdom of God and literally see a harvest coming in. Not coming into church to get saved, but literally your people being empowered to be able to share the good news with people and lead them to a point of salvation. And Jesus, I ask that in this day and in this time where God, there is the greatest harvest that is yet to be seen. God, could we take our place in Your business? Could we partner with You, Lord? Could we partner with You, Jesus? And could we go into all the world and make disciples? Lord, could we go and literally see salvation, signs and wonders and miracles following the preaching of the Word? Jesus, we know, God, that it's Your desire that all men might know You. And Lord, I thank You for the work of this church. I thank You for the work of of the community uh, engagement spaces that they operate in. But Lord, I thank You that You haven't called Your church just to simply be an entertainment venue or to bring people into something, but to bring people to relationship in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and conviction. And Lord, I pray that we would play our part, God, that we would be conversing with people. We wouldn't be trying to convince people, we'd be conversing with people to share this good news with them. And Holy Spirit, I ask right now, oh God, would You come and would You breathe upon the embers of each of our hearts tonight, today? God, would You awaken not our minds to a concept that we've heard today from Your Word, but Lord, would You open our hearts to receive and respond accordingly? Jesus, we repent from where we've missed it. We repent, God, from where we've left it to somebody else or where we've put our our, our gospel in our pocket and just decided we're going to hold on for the gravy chain coming. But that, God, we would be like the two that actually came and said, here is what I'm bringing as what I have earned and gained from what you gave to me. Jesus, I pray for a salvation harvest in this church like they've never seen before. I thank You, Lord, for years and seasons of growth in the past. But Lord, I thank You that You are going to multiply this church. You're going to multiply its effectiveness. You're going to multiply its reach. You're going to multiply the anointing on people to be able to bring people into a relationship with Jesus. That God, You'll empower each and every single person to be ones who would carry this good news. And Jesus, as we align ourselves with kingdom agenda, oh God, let kingdom of heaven come to earth. Oh Lord, we're asking, give us souls. Give us souls. Jesus. You know, church, there's a a phrase and a statement that's often heard in church, give me souls or I'll die. It's a really interesting phrase. It was actually coined by a guy named Brian Hyde who saw the verse in Genesis chapter 30 about Sarah crying out for children. And in that verse, it literally says, give me children or I die. And the heart behind it was that 
there would be multiplication for generations. And I honestly believe that this church is going to be a church known in the days to come that will be a generational soul winning church. The people in it would capture not just messages that would tickle their ears and make them feel good for a moment or maybe even scratch their educated minds, but that would literally lead you into places and spaces of influence that you've never seen before. And it'd be salvation after salvation, after salvation, after salvation, locked across the house. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much. I'm gonna hand back Pastor Charles. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.